You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Tim, how you doing this morning, pal? All right. Not on mute. There we go. Doing, <laughs> doing great. Got the diesel flowing. Beautiful, uh, a beautiful 45-plus degree day here in Green Bay out of nowhere. Might have to go break out the shorts again, man. Hey, you never know, man. You never know. It warms up a bit, right? All um, right. I tell you, we got we got a ton to talk about, man. Um, golly, it just seems like I was thinking this week, you know, short week, it, you know, okay, it's a short week, but man, Sunday can't get here quick enough. I'm looking forward to the Saturday football that. And now I'm looking up going, I am not gonna have time to cover everything. I, I'm just about just about convinced myself to scratch chalk talk this week because we're already so far behind. But uh, I'm going to do it anyway. It'll probably come in the form of a show tomorrow, I would imagine. Uh, but I do have to fly out Sunday. So uh, Sunday, we should be able to do a post-game show. As soon as the post-game show is over, I'm going to go hop on a plane. And then the plan is to do um, Good Morning Lambo and PTA Live while I'm on the road. So hopefully we can still get those out to you. That's the plan. I don't want to lose any momentum because uh, we've gotten some really, really good feedback. Uh, appreciate everybody with the kind words on Twitter. Um, it's just the the show is is going absolutely bananas right now, and it's really exciting. I actually got a three o'clock appointment today with a couple people who want to sponsor the show. Um, just some other stuff that's that's down the pipeline. So we, as a whole, listeners, co-hosts, guests, all that, it, we're starting to uh, to uh, catch some attention. And it's really really cool. So I'm excited about that. Uh, with that being said, though. Um, I know, Tim, you didn't get a chance yet to watch the Reggie White documentary last night, the 30 for 30. It was phenomenal, man. Um, now, full disclosure, as if anyone needs to hear it, when you when you got a documentary about someone whose nickname was the Minister of Defense, um, they're going to mention God. OK, so uh, brace oh, yourself. I know some oh, no. people get offended by that, but oh, my goodness. Um, just wild people in my in my comments and mentions after I tw- uh, tweeted out a quick video. It was two different things. It was basically Brett Favre saying how Reggie saved his life, essentially, by helping convince him to go to rehab and get over his painkiller addiction and all that. And uh, uh, people didn't like the fact that Favre was in it. And then, uh, and then of course, there were several comments that uh, too much God in it, too much God in it. It's like, <laughs> what did you expect, bro? And yeah, anyway, go go check it out. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. I loved it. I know Tony Mandarich uh, actually quote tweeted me last night and uh, and mentioned it too. Like he was looking forward to watching it. Which you guys heard Tony Mandarich on here. Like, you know, as we've talked about, uh, Tim, I just absolutely love that uh, that Tony's like, you know what? If people can unapologetically, like you said, un- unapologetically be heathens and do whatever outrageous thing they want to do, then I can unapologetically mention my God. <laughs> <laughs> it cracked me up and I'm like, that's that's, right. that's what I'm talking about there. You don't force it down people's throats, but this whole 
everybody kind of walking on eggshells. And this is why I, I can only imagine the people that have went, oh, when me and Emilio make fun of his heritage, right? <laughs> when he when he openly talks about him being a quarter Mexican and a quarter Italian, I bet there's people in the back going, how dare them? How dare he make fun of himself? Like, <laughs> you're going to get that. Imagine being way. offended at someone making fun of themselves. Right. Oh, my goodness. Hey, that's 2023, man. But anyway, appreciate everybody in the chat, man. Looks like everybody's uh, piling in. Uh, yeah, appreciate it, Doug. Thank you, buddy. Like I said, we we just got some some options on the table. We'll see what happens, right? Um, the one thing that I've got to be very very careful of is, and, and I'm going to do it to a T. This show is never going to change, and I know many people say that until the the almighty dollar gets dangled in front of them and everything. But you guys know that that we try to look at it from multiple angles. We look at the analytics side. We look at the tape. Uh, we lean on the professionals, people like Mike Wall, uh, you know, Paul Brettel in Green Bay. Um, you know, obviously had Tony Mandarich on. Uh, you'll hear me talk about Kurt Warner all the time, JTO Sullivan all the time. We're going to lean on that stuff as well. But we're also going to tap into the gambling side a little bit too because those numbers matter too, right? You guys know I do a little bit of that that side action. And um, so we're just trying to cover all bases, but we're going to make sure that this thing never – gets away from its core, and that's essentially us just coming in here talking ball. What happened? Why did it happen? Let's try to block out all the side narratives of, you know, people drawing a conclusion of this player is bad because they've been trumpeting the fact that he's bad for so long, or this coordinator is absolute trash because other podcasters have put that opinion out there so often um, that they're now afraid to be quote-unquote wrong, all those things, so – um, hopefully all that makes sense, but um, that's kind of the direction we're going in. We're going to continue to go in, and I'm, I'm excited for the ride here. Uh, let's do this, Tim. Big news yesterday that came out I thought was really cool was Jaden Reed. Um, you know, it was mentioned several times that he's listed as an ankle injury. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know his ankle's hurt, but he also got a concussion. And I've noticed people weren't mission, mentioning the concussion, and I was like, What's going on? So why is the why is he not in concussion protocol? He never entered concussion protocol, which is really, really good news. So essentially, the updated injury report, Tim, Jair Alexander, surprise, surprise, is still limited. Uh, A.J. Dillon got the thumb injury, did not participate. Enigbare, limited participation. Elton Jenkins, limited participation. Uh, Aaron Jones, Keyshawn Nixon, Jonathan Owens, and Jaden Reed were all limited. When You guys heard me say yesterday on Good Morning Lambeau, if he comes out and he's limited, then it means he's cleared the first step of the concussion protocol. Well, concussion's not even mentioned on here. So he evidently, they tested him. And if you'll remember, that happened during the two-point try. So he, the offense never came back on the field, right? So um, they tested him for a concussion, but he did not have a concussion. So he does have an ankle injury, so there's no guarantee he's going to play. But we actually got to hear from him, Tim, in the, uh, in the locker room. I think it was yesterday. Let's kind of see if we can read between the lines. You tell me, because maybe I'm reading too much into it. You tell me if whether you think he's trending in the direction of playing Sunday or do you think uh, it's just a little false hope on my part. But here's Jaden Reed in the locker room. Tim, when we get back, I'll uh, I'll ask your opinion on the injury report and all that stuff, man. Here we go. Obviously, but, but how important is it, you think, for a team? And, again, I've got the volume cranked all the way up. I apologize if you can't hear some of the questions. Hopefully you can hear what Jaden says. This young to get – a into the playoffs and B potentially some playoff experience. Yeah, that's that's all, always our goal. You know, to go one and zero every week. Uh, so you know, it will be a you know huge accomplishment. You know, just to win out, you know, be able to play in the playoffs for you for my first year. You know, of, you know being in a National Football League and 
uh, you know, that's our goal. You know, our goal is to get to the playoffs and, you know, do as much as we can, uh, you know, uh, be access successful as we can. What was the messaging, you know, early on this week is obviously uh, having another home game against the Buccaneers and try to wipe what happened on Monday? Yeah, the biggest thing is just, you know, getting our bodies back and, uh, you know, uh, focusing on the plan, you know, uh, we just had a lot of mental reps out there. So, you know, just carrying that over um, more at home, you know, whether it's going over film, you know, digging to the plan a little more and, you know, just staying locked in on, on the plan so we can go out there and play fast on Sunday. How are you feeling? Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, definitely sore, you know, uh, you know, uh, definitely with a quick week, quick turnaround. That's just how it goes in the league. You just got to, you know, learn how to manage your body, yeah. you know, take care of it, and get back to work. Ankle okay? Yeah, I'm yeah. all good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You all seem to kind of clean up a lot of those mistakes during that win streak, and then it kind of crept back on Monday. Does now with a quick week and a quick turnaround, does it kind of require a reset, sort of, or is it just a flush kind of thing? Um, I just think just continue to follow the plan like we have been, you know, prepare the right way, and, you know, I don't think there's any drastically different thing that we have to do, but just to, you know, prepare the same way as, as we have the uh, previous weeks. You know, every week going to be different. So, you guys are one and two. You would Tampa. Right. So, you, you heard him kind of mention the injury there. They brought it up. It, to me, it, it sounds like he is trending on trending towards playing, Tim. They're probably going to rest the ankle this week, get that healed up. Did you hear it the same way? Obviously, nothing mentioned about the concussion. I think I think we're correct in that assumption that he never did even enter concussion protocol. They tested him; he didn't have a concussion. Is that kind of the way you're reading it too? Yeah, I think you know when we hear that that word, you know that's the that's the boogeyman word in the NFL, and, and we got to take that seriously. So, I think when we hear or see what happens on the field, right? He slams himself in trying to score there on a on a two point conversion, and everybody else gets up except him. And you get you hear the concussion word thrown around. And when we hear being evaluated for a concussion, our brains right away go to, oh, man, he's concussed. He's in the protocol. So obviously what happened was is they evaluated him and he must have cleared the initial assessment and there was no need to go any further. So it sounds like you're right there. You know, he never went into full on concussion protocol. But now, of course, we can add ankle injury to the chest injury and, you know, the other nagging things that Jaden Reed's dealing with. But uh, I'll tell you, if you're just want my take on it, based off of what we just saw, that dude's going to play on Sunday. <laughs> it's just, you can yeah. hear it in his voice. He kind of has this attitude like, oh yeah, my ankle's sore. You know, what are you going to do? Rehab, get ready for Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, man, again, this guy's a rookie. I love it, you know? Yeah. So, um, and we're going to need him, you know? Tay Wicks is probably not going to go. You know, we need every weapon we can get. Um, and again, you know, looking at that injury report, there was no practice yesterday. So these are all estimations. Nobody nobody practiced yesterday. So, yeah. um, you know, as we progress here going into the weekend, we'll get a little more information. But I'm glad Jaden Reed seems to be uh, seems to be ready to go, man. Yeah, same man. He's he's quickly becoming a leader on that team. There's no two ways about it. He I, the way he plays. You know, everything to me seems very much so. Uh, I don't know if technically sound is the right way to say it. Fundamentally sound, he just gets it, man. There's no wasted motion. He's so fluid, and uh, like I said, man, the way he the way he hit that pile on that two pointer was like he he was trying to get the edge, couldn't get the edge, and was just like, 
all right, I'm I'm sacrificing everything right here. I'm just going to throw my body in the middle of these this huge pile and see if we can punch this thing in. You love it. Even after a loss, it's like that's the guy you want on your team right there, man. It's someone who's going to continue to to do the right thing, say the right thing, all that good stuff. So um, and I don't know how you teach that, right? You don't coach heart and dedication, you know. No, you got really to just throw yourself in front of a train for your team. Um, I love to see it, man. Yeah. I just love to see it. Oh, no doubt, man. No doubt. Actually, there was another chat here I want to hit on right here. Doug pretty much highlighted it for us in the chat. said, love it. Quote, ankle all good? Reply, yeah, I'm good. Great news. Um, and, again, he's he seems like the type who's, who's not going to uh, – accept excuses and he's darn sure not going to hold himself out if he's just not a little bit right um i appreciate that about a player like him and the other thing too that's not a shot at anybody but uh, some of the veterans i think could they, you've got to step back and go man these when, when you've been in the league for several years and this isn't an indictment on one specific player i'm just kind of speaking generally when you've been in the league you know four five six seven years and it's, yeah, I'm a little banged up. Don't think I'm going to go out there this week. And you hear a rookie who's got his whole career ahead of him, and it's like, no, nah, we got to take it one game at a time. And it's like, like he said, they, the goal is to get into the playoffs, period, right? Um, I think it can set the tone. I really do. But thank you, Doug, for highlighting that. Sometimes uh, the important parts get lost in the uh, in the video. By the time I talk about the video, I'm already way off topic. So appreciate that, pal, just highlighting that. Um, let's see here. Omer in the chat says, Bill will be a good coach and GM wherever he goes. He'll be writing his own check is my bet, and he'll be highly coveted by many. He's talking about Bill Belichick. There's people on Twitter right now, Tim, that are saying, hey, what if Bill Belichick gets fired? He can be our D.C. Guys, let me uh, explain something real quick here, okay? <laughs> That's, uh, Bill Belichick, <laughs> if Bill Belichick does not retire, he's going to be a head coach and general manager somewhere. So I don't mean to – try to sound like I'm at the top of the mountain going, listen to me, people. Anything can happen. I got you. But And he has the utmost respect for the Green Bay Packers. He's been very, very open about how much he respects the history tradition of the organization. But um, it, it, it's funny, Pat McAfee got raked over the coals because he made a comment on College Game Day when he interviewed Bill Belichick or helped interview Bill Belichick. And it's like, you know, Pat's, you know, Pat's off base here. Bill ain't getting fired, blah, blah, blah. Two days later, the report comes out that Bill Bill and the Patriots are, you know, parting ways. So I know everybody likes to dogpile on McAfee. McAfee tends to be correct about 99% of the time. It's, other it's than almost as to, if he used to play football and right. that he and knows that guys high. in the league and he's got, you know, right. maybe more right. information than the average guy. Isn't that strange how that works? Yeah, and then at the same time, Right before that, Dan Orlovsky said, you know, I've heard – he said, well, I'm hearing there's already an arrangement. And Pat was like, what do you what do you mean by that, Danny Owens? You know, well, I'm hearing that the team has already been selected. I'm telling you right now, man, to me it feels like Bill – if you had to say, Clayton, put money on one team, where's Bill going? I would say it's the New York Giants. That's the only team that I've ever seen him get emotional about. And it was in a football life, two-part series. They followed Belichick and the Patriots around for a full season. And they go to, they were playing in Giants Stadium. It might have been a preseason game, regular season game, whatever it was. And he got emotional down there next to the old meeting room. And he's like, just a lot of good times here. He has the utmost respect for the, uh, the Mara family and uh, Mara, Mara, however you want to say it. And, you know, it's just one of those things that that's the team that pops up to me. If Danny O is right, 
and the team has already been selected, I think it would be the Giants. Now, that looks bad for Dayball. Ironically, Dayball used to coach under Belichick. You know, he kind of has all of his offense and defensive philosophies from him that he took to Buffalo and then brought it to, obviously, uh, New York. That could get a little dicey with them creating a little momentum. But I, I'm telling you right now, if the Mara family has an opportunity to have Belichick as their general manager and coach, they're going to jump on it. I just – at his age, 72, 73 years old, Tim, I, I'm 41, and I barely have enough energy to do two podcasts a day. I don't know how these guys do it, man. Like, it, you talk yeah. about loving – Tim and Pete Carroll, man. It, yeah. I mean, Pete Carroll, you know, pushing 80 going on 25, you know. <laughs> like – Absolutely wild, man. And the young guys, they you know, you wonder why those players love playing for him. It's because he he holds on to that youth, man, and he can still connect, you know. And I, I think Coach Belichick's a little different, got a different style, you know, yeah. but um certainly well respected. And I you know, those are just rumors we don't know, you know, and I'm I'm sure not nobody's really confirming anything, plus tampering rules and those kind of things. Um, but I would definitely anticipate if in fact Coach B is going to continue to, you know, coach and not retire. <laughs> My money would be on he's not going to an AFC team for sure. Yeah. It's probably going to be a, a team in the NFC, which kind of lends a little credibility to the the thought of it being the Giants. So, and, um, you know, we'll see. Nothing but respect for Coach Belichick for sure. We got Emilio in the chat says burritos rock. <laughs> Listen to Emilio. You know, telling you, man, you're going to upset people. Making uh, you know, making little side jokes about you being quarter Mexican. They're gonna get upset. Like yourself, okay? Uh, now, nah, good to see you in here, buddy. Hope you're uh, hope you're staying warm out there if you're working this morning. Uh, two over this in the chat said I get all my tape information from Cheeseballing back in the day on uh, Packers, uh, Packernet after dark. I don't know if you guys understand what he's talking about, but there was a caller that called in on Packernet after dark regularly. Or no, he and I think yeah, I think he ended up calling in, but he and Ryan Schlipp are going back and forth. And I'm telling you, it was exhausting. It was good radio. Tim, you probably wouldn't have liked it. You probably would have turned it off because you're very like, I need information. I need this. <laughs> they just talked in circles for like two weeks. Um, and <laughs> and you either loved it or you hated it. And I'll be honest with you, man. I'm out there on the grind during the work week. That was during the summer months and everything. And I was just like, man, these <laughs> this dude <laughs> – it was literally, well, here's my point. And then Ryan would go, well, I understand your point, but here are the facts. And then he'd go, well, I understand your facts, but here's my point. And then Ryan would go, yeah, I know you've already said that. Here are the facts. It was it was phenomenal. So, yeah, too old for this. Um, if he does break any tape down, man, let me uh, let me know. Send that my way. I could use that, that, uh, that brain damage for sure. Um, and I'm sure he's a nice guy. What's funny is I agreed with him on some of his takes. I was one going, ah, he makes a good point there. But they never got anywhere with trying to – collaborate and go okay <laughs> here gotcha i understand what you're saying uh anyway randy says good morning from california man hey good good to have you in here dude you know we met some packer fans from california last year uh mandy and i we were on the shuttle back um from uh every time somebody's from california i don't know why but i want to do this you know thinking <laughs> they probably surf or something but in all honesty a large large portion of the state is very country it's very you know um, but anyway, we're on this shuttle back from from the Lodge Kohler to the airport to fly out of Green Bay. And uh, they, they said, hey, where are you from? You know, they heard my accent. And I said, we're from Tennessee. And they said, hey, we're, oh, we're thinking about buying some property down in North Carolina. I went, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I said, where are you from? And he said, uh, California. And I said, oh, cool, man. Awesome. And somebody behind me said, well, don't bring your politics here. I went, oh, Lord. 
and look back, you know, whatever. Don't bring your politics, says the person bringing politics. Right, right, right. But it was funny because that guy said, whoa, 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 listen, listen, listen. He said, everybody thinks everyone from California think the same way. He said, trust me, we tend to lean towards uh, Brown County than (laughs) what you hear about on them. It was just hilarious. Listen to that conversation. Go back and forth. I'm just like, get me to the damn airport, please. (laughs) But that guy was like. We we are as country as you guys up here in Brown County. Like it was funny hearing that, hearing that take because again, the stereotypes, right, Tim? Yeah, I hear California, so and I go surf's up, you know. Right. This guy's like, no, dude, we're from the mountains of Northern California. <laughs> yeah, Nor NorCal is a different. It might as well be its own state. I believe right. there was actually a push to try and make that happen for a while. <laughs> that the, <laughs> they wanted the northern part to be its own. Uh, its own state. Um, but I actually spent some time out there and I, I know exactly what you're talking about and definitely a lot of Packer fans. Um, but much like, um, you know, much like the state of Illinois, you know, my, my Southern neighbor up here, um, you know, that's a great big state and it doesn't all go the way of Chicago, much like California is not just Los Angeles and Southern California. And, um, it is, it's true. You can definitely see a lot of different, uh, Different vibes as you uh, take a ride up the one and go north in California. Um, definitely um, interesting. Great people up there too, man. Yeah, sure. no doubt, man. No doubt. Those people were awesome, and they were they were really excited about possibly moving down here into uh, into North Carolina. You know, which we're we're kind of right on the border of, of like three or four states, so um, where they all four meet. But anyway, Andy in the chat says, "Sheesh, we're down to scraps on offense now. Love is going to have to elevate." Yeah, and he's you know he's kind of continued to do that. Uh, you know, we mentioned I think he's got nine touchdowns and one interception in the last four or five games, whatever it is. Um, and when you talk about the weapons he's had on the field, you know, it's he's kind of already done that, Andy. You know, uh, that final drive. I mean, when you look at it, he had to lean on Heath to uh, to to score two touchdowns, although one just one didn't count. But he made it happen there at the end. You know, um, that's that's the other thing too. Everybody's talking about like. If the New York Giants don't go down and score that three points, the the narrative is totally different, Tim. Like it's look at Love getting it done in the clutch. The Packers are legit. They they escaped the trap game. They can win that kind of game now, right? Um, you know, earlier in the year you couldn't say that about Love. He was throwing picks on that final drive, right? He was throwing picks in the end zone. Um, so it's cool to see him very much so kind of you know turn the corner there. It's awesome, absolutely yep. awesome. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. 
So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So let's see what else we got here. Uh, Margin Cron in the chat says, rumors swirling the internet that Kraft in long sleeves has superpowers. Uh, Flexing emoji, bunny rabbit emoji, 100 emoji. Um, We actually got a little video, I believe, on uh, Tucker Kraft. This was Larry McCarron actually hit on this from Packers Daily. You guys can find this video for free on uh, Packers Twitter page as well as their YouTube channel. Uh, Make sure you give it a like, share it, all that good stuff. This is a really cool video. This is former Green Bay Packer. Larry McCarron talking about Tucker Craft a little bit. Let's check it out. In a game marked by inconsistency, Tucker Craft was a constant. Very first play of the game, Jaden Reed on the jet sweep. Here he is, here's Tucker Craft. Now this is hard to do in the open field. Not only block the man, but bury him. Now there's a guy ready to play. Tucker was targeted four times and he had four catches, three of them going for first down. And the thing about this play is play style. Tucker makes a catch and then he lowers the shoulder on the tackler. There is no doubt about it on this play, who is the hitter and who is the hitting. Back to the running game. And Tucker is working against Kayvon Thibodeau, one of the Giants' best players. And on this round, he has to hold the block like forever. He does, and thanks to him, Josiah DeGuara and Josh Myers, Jaden Reed goes for 20 yards, the Packers' longest run of the day. You may remember this play, the Giants blitzing a safety so there are a man short in the middle of the field, just where Tucker is headed. Jordan Love spots him, gets him the football, and Tucker is hit almost immediately. But he breaks that tackle, and he'll go almost 20 more yards before being brought down. That's 43 yards total, the Packers' longest play of the day. Tucker Kraft making the most of his increased opportunities. Yeah, good stuff there from Packers Daily. Tim, man, this is what we talked about. This is uh, this is why Goody didn't want Mercedes Lewis in the tight end room. We all disagreed with that because we thought that veteran leadership would help these guys come along. But if, if you're playing for the playoffs, Musgrave goes down and he did beat Mercedes Lewis out. Mercedes Lewis would probably be playing right now. Instead, you got Tucker Craft, and, man, he really showed up 
on Monday night, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, and of course on that run play, Josh Myers runs right into him. But <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, we did. We did. There's Tucker blocking and there's Josh trying to pull and runs and, right in. And all the Josh <laughs> Myers stands are literally showing that one clip of the reverse where he got downfield and blocked two people. Great play. But they are not talking about any of those. Other <laughs> plays. But, yeah. Funny you noticed. I noticed that too, though. But as yeah. far as Tucker Craft, man, he's got the size, right, to, to be a good blocker. It's just can he technically learn how to block, right? You're starting to see that improve, Tim. That's huge, man. It's huge for them to, to be able to lean on him more in the future. All I can think about every time Musgrave would make a play and now with Tucker Craft filling in for Musgrave, um, was back during training camp. I don't know if you remember us talking about this. I'm sure you do, Tim. But uh, LaFleur said he was leaving the facility one night, and they were still – they were the last two people there. They were in there watching tape together, Musgrave and Tucker Craft. So it's uh, it's pretty cool, man, to see these young tight ends want to step up. And it goes hand-in-hand hand with Jaden Reed, what we talked about with Jaden Reed, right? Yep, and it's also t- Tucker's willingness to do the dirty work from very early on, special teams and, you know, contributing in the in the run game, blocking – um, pass pro blocking, things like that. And then, yeah, you know, you have a teammate go down and, you know, you're the first one that gets the opportunity because you were there and willing to do the little things that get you on the field as a rookie. Um, you know, it was evident very early in training camp that, you know, Luke Musgrave was going to be tight end number one. Uh, you know, we kind of came to that realization pretty, pretty quickly. And to Tucker Craft's credit, he handled that extremely well. I, I don't think he looked at it as he was in competition. I think he looked at it as this is my spot and this is what I can do to contribute and grow and be ready for when my name gets called. And, you know, here we are closing out a season and Tucker Craft is an integral part of this offense rolling forward. And it's uh, it's really good to see, you know, for a rookie really stepping up and, um, you know, make it not just making plays, but, you know, not making mistakes. We don't we don't see a lot of mistakes from him. Um, just like we don't see a lot of mistakes from Jaden Reed, you know, the comparison is true. We got a lot of rookies on this team that are, you know, exceeding expectations. We'll just say in their rookie season for sure. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Let's see here. Omer, was it Omer in the chat? Who was it that said this? Uh, here we go. It was Derek K. Okay. He said, good morning, Omer, man. I, I don't want to be eight. I don't know what he's talking about there, but I called that John Money thing. If Matt LaFleur doesn't even want him to travel, he's trying to get rid of a distraction. And then let's see here. Nick goes on, or I'm sorry. Yeah, Nick says uh, Matt LaFleur doesn't want him to travel, question mark. And then Doug comes back and says, Nick, that was my takeaway. Matt Schneiman asked Matt LaFleur about Jair not traveling. Matt LaFleur said it would aid in Jai's, quote, recovery. Yet Watson, who was already out, went to New York. Um, um, and then let's see here. Uh Badger Trio said we might have one of the best offenses in the NFL in a year or two. And uh, we'll get to the Dylan comment here in a second. So back to the Jair comment. Um, it is it is strange. And, and I, I never really understood that players not wanting to travel unless it's an injury where you don't want something to swell up. The shoulder thing, I don't think it's the case. Typically, it's ankles, knees, stuff like that, where you've had invasive surgery. Um, so I understand you're not wanting a, uh, you know, a player to fly, but. Yeah, man, it's just, Tim, the more time goes by, man, it kind of feels like there's something there. It sucks, but it feels like there's something there behind the scenes. Um, it it does, but I wonder how much of that is fueled by our own speculation and not right. knowing what's going on. I can tell you from my – I mean, this is not speculation. Their player, players don't travel when they're injured sometimes. That's not an abnormal right. thing. And as far as Christian Watson, you're, compar- you're 
we have two different guys dealing with two different types of rehab, you know, different injuries. They play different positions, you know, um, like I, I just, I, I wouldn't read too much into that unless we're hearing something like that. You know, like I haven't heard Matt LaFleur say that he asked Ja not to travel with the team. I haven't heard that. Um, yeah. And yeah, it could be because of rehab, depending on what you're doing. You, you may may not want to travel. It may just be a scheduling thing. You know, if you're better served to get to get yourself ready coming up here, we have a short week. You know, maybe it made sense for him to stay back and just continue to work if you can't contribute on the field. You know, I, I just I'm not saying that there couldn't be something there. I'm just saying I haven't seen anything that like right. you know, concrete to make me make me think that. So, yeah, it's like there's 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 smoke. There's quite a bit of smoke. It's just not thick smoke. You know what I'm saying? It's like a little spot here, a little spot there, and you're going, okay, is there something to that? But no one will put their name on it, right? Like right. I said, Matt Schneiman kind of kind of hinted at it. He didn't right. say, hey, guys, here's what's going on. That's, That's why I stopped short of convincing myself that there's something there because I, I just don't see it, you know. No, I completely agree. As it sits right now, that's that's the way I would have to gamble in that regard. Chris uh, in the chat said, love mornings where I can work from home office and enjoy a cup of coffee and good morning, good morning, Lambo Live. Uh, man, I tell you, it, it feels the same way to me, Chris. It really does. I'm sitting up here having a cup of coffee, talking ball with buddies. That's pretty much all we're doing. And uh, it is awesome, man. It's uh, I never thought I would enjoy this as much as we are, but it's uh, it's been a great time for sure. We appreciate you hanging out with us. See, 2-0 for this in the chat. Says, anyone else notice Dylan has been running harder since we've gotten tape on Tucker Craft? Uh, definitely not a coincidence. Um, I'll tell you, that stuff does spill over a little bit, 2-0 for this. Um, I believe that with everything in me. When you see other people putting their bodies on the line, it's like, all right, I need to step it up a little bit. That guy's a little more intense than me right now. He wants it a little more than me right now. I want to be there for my teammates. You kind of see – I think you've seen that with this team too, try to rally around Jordan Love. They've seen him being criticized, right, before he even took a snap as the starter, um, as the legit starter in a full training camp and all that. Um, it seems like they were kind of rallying around him and trying to pick him up. Like, man, he's got to have the, the weight of the world on his shoulders replacing a four-time MVP, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. So uh, I think there is something to that for sure. But since you brought up A.J. Dillon, we've got a quick video from Brian Baldinger. Uh, you guys know you can find him on Twitter, uh, at Brian Baldinger, I think is his Twitter account. If you just search Brian Baldinger, it'll pop up. Former uh, NFL player, 11-year vet, he's doing his own little breakdowns. It looks a little janky because he records it on screen from his phone. But if you'll focus, you can still see everything fine. The production quality isn't great. But him doing it this way allows him to get this stuff out so quickly. And I'm telling you, getting 11 years of NFL experience from tape and saying, okay, here's what we're seeing. This is a really cool breakdown of A.J. Dillon. Let's hit it. Sometimes you just need one play to show what a player can do. Like A.J. Dillon has had a shoulder the load with showtime out, and he catches this check down over the middle right here. And here comes the safety, Jason Pinnock, at him, and he makes a miss. All right? Then he gives a stiff arm to McFadden. Then he turns the corner. He's like, all right, who else do I got? How about if I drop my right foot and my right shoulder? Bam! On Xavier McKinney. Drop my right foot and my right shoulder on Deontay Banks. And I take on the whole defense. <laughs> it's kind of what A.J. Dillon has been doing for the last month in this Green Bay offense. Yeah, and you know, the big thing for me, Tim, he's he's come alive in the passing game. And we've talked about it over and over and over on here. You know, the, the running success still isn't there. I'm going to show a part of another body breakdown here. We're not going to cover the whole clip because he goes on two or three other topics. But I want you guys, when, when you hear me say 
LaFleur is calling a great passing scheme, but I don't I don't agree with and understand his running scheme sometimes. This started really early in the season. He got away from it, and now he tried to go back to it a bit, and it, it bit him in the rear end on a couple running plays on Sunday. But watch this very first play, and then I'll end the video and we'll talk about it. It goes hand-in-hand hand with A.J. Dillon because I want you to – I want you to see, and we're going to slow it down too. We're actually going to mute it so we can talk with it too, Tim, here in a second. But you'll look at the play and go, there's no way that was going to work. You're you're reducing your hat count to defenders who were close enough to make the play in the backfield. This is why I don't watch the tape and go, man, A.J. Dillon ain't it. I watch the tape and go, what the heck are we doing with this blocking scheme? But let's watch it here. Let's drop in on Kayvon Thibodeau here because – Sometimes you just start reading stances. You get a feel for things. You start anticipating, like a backside guard tackle pull. And you just follow the tackle, and you replace, and you take down A.J. Dillon for no gain. All right? And it, it always kind of – All right, so we're just going to play that that part of the clip a couple times here, Tim. You can still hear me, right? Yep. All right, so watch this. When you're talking about hat count, this is obviously designed to be run inside, okay? When you look at your hat count right here, if imagine if you just left the guard and the tackle in the same spot, okay? I know you can't see my cursor right now, but imagine Zach Tom is just going to block number five there, which is Thibodeau, okay? Look at the hat count you have right here in close quarters. If you just ran the ball up the middle here. Now I want you to watch him pull, and look how you immediately lose the hat count. You got a guy coming across. Notice the guy coming across. When you're doing that pre-snap motion in a running play, you're looking to displace the backers and the safeties a bit. Notice the backer didn't move. So you're losing a hat on that side where you could have kept the edge a little bit more under control. And now you can have Ben Sims block down with uh, Zach Tom and help out there. But watch this blocking scheme. Watch Tom. Okay. He's just going to get a little shoulder on him, and he's going right by him. Right? So look at this. Like what are we doing? You're leaving you're leaving Kayvon Thibodeau to block nobody. Right. Like Here's who are, who's over there to block? You right. just left the guy that you should be blocking. Yeah. And, and on top of that, a couple things here. Look at Josh Myers. Watch Josh Myers. All right, look, gonna look. It off right. look, he didn't block anybody. Nope. So when people they, Right, and who's Zach Tom going to replace? Right, exactly. He's calling to fill that. It's like we got what are we doing? <laughs> we're making this way too. What the hell's going on out there? <laughs> exactly. This is what we're talking about when you, when you turn on tape and go, why, why? Like, imagine, just imagine, this is just a straight blocking scheme here. Let's just say it's inside zone. Okay. So imagine Sims could help double on Thibodeau 241, right? You could have 76 and Josh Myers double to the nose if you're running duo and get to the inside of 41 or go looking for work. Right. And I want you to imagine that's the play call here. And imagine the wide receiver is staying put with the motion. Therefore, that edge defender on the opposite side is probably going to stay at home, too. That's the whole purpose of the nasty splits. But when you walk him over and nobody moves, imagine again, Tom's going to block Thibodeau. Sims is going to help with Thibodeau. Imagine the receiver stayed at home. So Sims doesn't have to help on the, the main outside. Let's just say this is an inside zone run. Look at the hat count you would have in this situation. Yeah. Like, imagine that Thibodeau gets washed out. Myers is going to get to the second level and hit 41, and A.J. Dillon's hitting that hole wide open. Instead, yeah. you have absolute chaos. Yeah, so, doing a great job on that play, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just – it's frustrating for me because, again, this is – I know some people want to criticize A.J. Dillon. I haven't seen many people in our chat, but I've seen it across social media. It's like, man – because all they do is they go to the box score and look at the stats and go, A.J. Dillon's trash. They, 
show me the running back who's picking up yards on this play right here, Tim. Tell me who in the league is going to turn this into a a decent game. Well, Barry Sanders retired a number of years ago, so <laughs> that would be my only the only the only back I ever saw consistently make something out of nothing on a, on a weekly basis. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't see anybody doing that. You're so that's yourself up for disaster. Right. And and that's the frustrating part. Like that's what I'm talking about. When you look at the passing game, we're running a heck of a passing scheme. It is, it is really pretty to watch on both. Um, unfortunately the loves inaccuracy in the first half really put us behind early, but the running game, like we're, we're right back to doing what we were trying to do the first few weeks. Listen, the running, the running game never caught complete fire. But there's been a couple of times when they've just run inside zone that A.J. busts through, lowers his head. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. Um, and, you know, like when you look at uh, the PFF grades, I think he was grading out as the 18th highest graded running back across the league this year. So it's not like he's playing backup quality football. He's right there in the middle of the pack as far as the best running backs in the league there that you would consider quote unquote starters. Right. And I know there's different roles that come with different backs. I got you. But when we talk about the tape, that's what we're talking about. Kurt Warner put this out. Um, someone tagged me in a tweet. It was very humbling. They they put me in a group with like Kurt Warner and several other different players on tape breakdown. Feels really awkward to be mentioned in that group. I don't think it's in no way, shape, or form justified. But I thought this was cool, the two screenshots he put up here, okay? Kurt Warner said, as you all know, I really don't like when people make assumptions based off of box scores or narratives without watching the tape, or narratives without watching the tape, or narratives like Josh Myers is great, or like Jordan Love is trash, or Joe Barry is a horrible DC, right? Those type of things. They're not even watching the tape. They're looking at the box score and go, we gave up 200 rushing yards. This guy sucks. They're not even understanding what happened. Why did it happen, right? I really hate when players are blamed for things, not their fault, but it happens every week. Another tweet, he said, always fun to hear people rip someone or something and then show you them the tape, and they come up with a completely different take to explain their point. It's one of the problems we have. People will fight for their narrative even without actual analysis to back it up. Hashtag why we do this. So it if, if I could kind of put in a nutshell, Tim, what we're trying to accomplish on this show, geared around the Packers, is that right there. What happened? Why did it happen? Remove all bias. Remove all. You know, somebody tagged me uh, the other day. They said, I think Clayton's finally getting it about Joe Barry. I'm like, if you – how many times on this show have I said, I don't think Barry is a great coordinator? I've said it over and Joe over. Joe Barry apologist. But when you show the tape and say, oh, this ain't scheme, guys. Dude missing tackles. That dude blew his coverage. It's, dude, get over it. Joe Barry's horrible. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I didn't say he wasn't a bad coach. I'm simply showing you what we're seeing on tape. It's exactly what Kurt Warner's talking about with narratives being drawn based on those things. It's just important. It's important to understand what happened. Why did it happen? I still don't understand everything. I still don't. But every day we're looking at the tape going, okay, that makes sense now. That right there makes sense. Uh, that's the whole purpose. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, I thought it was cool, though, that that Kurt Warner kind of pointed those things out. Something else that kind of popped up. To, Tim, you got anything to add to any of that? Any any thoughts, comments, the A.J. Dillon, any of that? Um, real quick, uh, Kurt Warner's um, elite status. So uh, I'm going to defer to Kurt Warner on a lot of these things. <laughs> Probably be um, smart for all of us to do that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, – yeah, I don't know. And then as far as AJ Dillon, man, that uh that first clip that Baldy had was great when he showed him running scampering to the sideline and lowering the shoulder. But 
what I caught at the very end there was AJ took an absolute shot before he went out of bounds, like absolute yeah. shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then did you notice it looked like the dude threw a grape at him? Because Dylan yeah. basically didn't fall over. He didn't get, you know, yeah. it looked like nothing happened. But it's like, you know, AJ is, um, we all know him. He's an extremely likable guy, you know, fits in very well up here, you know, like, but he is a battering ram, dude. Like he, you, you can't underestimate the toughness because I, I think there's some a little more grit and edge to AJ Dillon than a lot of us realize, and I think it's because he saves it all for the football field, and then when he's not on the field, you know, he's a teddy bear. So um, that's a, uh, it's a dude you want on your offense for sure. But I, I, I definitely saw that at the end of the play. Was like, my God, did he, he took a shot there for sure. Nine out of ten guys fall down or cough up the ball. And he just kind of looked like, did somebody hit me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, he, I, I, I just appreciate him. And if you're new to the channel and when Tim says, you know, obviously he fits in really well up here. Let me explain what he means by that. John Deere green on a hot summer night. He rode Billy Bob loves Charlene. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to get hit with a copyright for Joe for Joe Diffie and John Deere Green, but I think AJ sings it so bad that it won't trigger the AI to go. Oh, <laughs> that's John Deere Green. Listen, I'm not. I could sing it. No, I'm telling you, I'd sing it ten times worse. But I just, uh, I appreciate it. I, I agree. Badger Trio said it never gets old. It really doesn't. And that's got a that might have more shelf life than uh than the ever popular sixty five percent sixty five. Oh, that's going to be a close, close one there, a close race. Um, let's see. Let's go to the chat real quick, make sure we didn't miss anything. Carly Ray up in here earlier said, uh, and they didn't get home until 3 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Uh, that would throw off my rehab schedule. Good point. That, you know, Matt pointed that out, too, the next day. Like, oh, Matt, so you watched the tape on the plane, right? He's like, oh, you got back at 3 a.m. Yeah, but we have already watched it. <laughs> he looked exhausted. People don't think about that stuff. But, you know, those – especially on a short week, too, right? It's why the players and some of the coaches – uh, you know, uh, most of the most of the NFL do not want to, uh, you know, have these these different night games and, and stuff Thursday night, Saturday night, all that stuff, because it throws a wrench in the whole preparation and travel and everything. Me as a selfish fan, I wish they had at least one game every night of the week. That's just how I feel, though. I love football. I don't care. It could be the two worst teams in the league. I would sit down and watch. Guarantee it. Um, there's going to be a day real soon, guys, where we don't have football for several months. And I am counting my blessings every single day up to that point because I, yeah, I just love it, man. There's nothing like it. Badger Trio said, yeah, Jair, things seem strange. There's definitely something there. Um, it's just the question is, is it, you know, worse than some of us are making it out to be? Doug says, uh, good point, guys. We didn't need Tom as a lead blocker on that play. It's just – it was a weird, weird play design. It's almost like a misdirection. AJ takes a jab step right, and then he's looking to go back left. But the play never got a chance to develop because you lost your hat count pretty much at the point of attack. Um, and, and, you know, here's the thing, too. We don't know. Might have been a blown assignment, you know. Maybe he wasn't supposed to pull. Maybe he was supposed to top priority still Thibodeau. If Thibodeau drops back, then he pulled. There's a lot of different things we don't know. Uh, that's why you've always got to mention that when we talk to tape. We're not in the meeting rooms. We don't know the exact play call. Many times we've been like, oh, man, this guy blew this play. And then the floor come out and go, no, actually, so-and-so didn't run his route right. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what happened, <laughs> right, because you don't actually know. Yeah. Uh, especially with choice routes and things. That's where the, the water gets really muddy. Um, let's see. Uh, what else we have here? 
Oh, look at this. Carly Ray already one step ahead. Don't worry, Clayton. I'm working on a whole list of off-season topics. Winky face. Yeah, I've been thinking about it too. What you guys are going to get on this channel, we're not going to do two shows during the during the summer months because my schedule is going to be crazy. You'll get at least one a day is going to be the normal schedule. But we're going to jump into a lot of history. We're going to dive into all kinds of stuff, Carly. I'm excited to hear about what your idea is as well. Um, one of the things I threw around last year, and I, I pitched it to Ryan Schlipp, and he's like, dude, I think it sounds great, is – what if we, in the offseason, picked one season out of Packers history and we treated it week by week as if it was happening in real time, like a time machine type thing almost, right? We went back in time and covered it. We could do chalk talk off those games, Tim. We could, you know, cover the results of those games. It don't have to be every episode geared around it, but maybe one or two episodes a week in the offseason as if this happened during this season. I think there would be no better than than Favre's first year starting where we're kind of drawing these parallels. You know, they finished nine and seven. It's we're on pace to kind of finish in that nine to seven range. Um, so uh, I don't know. I, I think that would be kind of cool. What what do you what do you think you what would you like to see in the offseason, Tim, when we do get into that dead time? Is there anything that you go, man, that would be fun to talk about? on We're this not, not going to spend the whole offseason talking about firing Joe Barry. Oh, well, some will. Some will. <laughs> now, Tim, here's the thing, though. You just pissed a lot of people off. You made it sound as if it's not a slam dunk. Joe Barry gets fired. I don't think it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and again, you. keep crying. Your tears bring me joy. Keep crying about it. There's a portion of the fan base. Top right. 10 defense. So shut your mouths. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm, I'm of the opinion if you can improve every aspect of the team, all moves are on the table. And I'm sure you would agree to that to a certain point, Tim. Absolutely. Uh, I'm kind of with you. Like, if you want to go try to dig deep into Baltimore, um, you know, maybe Fangio's, if you want to stay in the Fangio theme and kind of dig into his staff in Miami, that type of stuff. Um, I'm all for trying to make the team better in every regard. If that means changing DC. Cool. But uh, in this case, man, it's like, I don't know. You know, it, it, the thought that, nope, he's just got to be gone. It is pretty mind-boggling. Andy right here, this right here, look, Andy's, Andy's already getting stirred up. He said, top 10 defense with 85 question marks. What he's referring to, Andy, is we are still a top 10 scoring defense. Um, now, I know people like their DVOA. I know people don't like the rushing yards and all that. What I always respond to this type of response, Andy, I like to ask people, you have to pick one. Which would you rather give up more of, rushing yards or points? It gets really quiet when you ask that question. <laughs> like if you're if you're going not you, but just in general, if someone's going to try to convince me, I would rather give up more more points but less rushing yards. Can't get on board with that. Sorry, can't happen. You yep. play matter of fact, I think I've got it here. A, a coach once said this, if I remember correctly. I think Herm Edwards said Hello, you play to win the game. You don't play just to play. Um, now, if you're saying, hey, look, if we bring in someone that can do a better job and give up even less points, I'm on board with it. Yeah, Tim yeah is exactly. Good. Bring me a name. Right. Bring me a name with your complaints about right. Joe Barry because I haven't heard that. I've heard a lot of fire Joe Barry. I haven't heard one iota of a suggestion at who. Well, I've heard with. one. His name's Jim Leonard, and it always blows me away that <laughs> – Everybody is convinced Jim Leonard is going to step in the NFL and just absolutely dominate, man. That <sighs> that torches me every time. Anyway, I don't know. But as far as the offseason subject matter, I'm down with, uh, you know, reliving a season like that. That's a good idea. Um, mm -hmm. Also, Packers history is always something great. Right. Um, 
you know, go down those rabbit holes. Um, you know, classic games, classic matchups. But I mean, if we do a season, we'll get it. We'll get enough of those. We'll probably get at least you know a handful of those games mm-hmm. um, breaking down a season. But um, I don't think we're going to struggle uh, in the off season. Um, you know, we'll have plenty of uh, draft speculation and uh, lots of lots of off season uh, fodder to mix in with. Um, you know, some Packers history and hopefully, like you said, maybe reliving uh, you know a whole season. Mm-hmm. In, in retrospect might be kind of cool um yeah, especially doing so. a talk talk on some old uh on some old mike holmgren offense would be kind of cool <laughs> yeah definitely uh chris in in the chat says relive the 96 season that would be a fun one that'd be a real fun one kind of relive that just maybe one one or two episodes a week key in on that season and kind of what unfolded that week or what have you i think i think we could make it happen it take a little bit of research but uh I think we can make it happen. Yeah. And, and many people are mentioning Al Harrison here. Tim, I know I've heard your take on this a couple of times. Um, and we got some people comment now. They go, why do we think Al Harris would be a good D.C.? I think it's a valid question, right? I do, too. Also, uh, Badger Trio, uh, we are just about one year away from the draft in Green Bay. So excited for the season. Let's see here. Number one Packer fan, do defensive position coach normally make good D.C.'s? Typically, every defensive coordinator has been a position coach at some point. Now, you've got some people that were special teams coordinators that stepped over to defensive coordinator and, uh, and you know, had some success that way. But, uh, you know, there's no slam dunk with anything, right? Here's, here's the problem with what we're doing once again, and it's the D.C.'s fault. It was Dom Capers' fault. It was Mike Pettin's fault. Somebody did a poll the other day. Which would you have rather have, Dom Capers, Mike Pettin, or Joe Barry? And Mike Pettin won. And I'm like, I remember how people were signing petitions to fire Mike Pettin, and now you want him back. It's like this constant revolving door of emotion of the D.C. is the problem. The D.C. is the problem. If this has been going on for three decades, ever, ever since 96, this team has not had a really good defense with the exception of 2010 when they had Dom Capers, who everybody wanted to run out of town two years later. Couldn't it just be that the league is cyclical and these ideas are strong now, offenses adjust, and then in three years, that that guy who was just absolute trash, the scheme is trash, all that's trash, all of a sudden pops up somewhere else like Dan Quinn in Atlanta. Remember, he ran the defense in Seattle. Dan Quinn was just a darling of defensive coordinators. He takes the job in Atlanta, absolute booty cheeks. And I know he was the head coach, but he still ran the defense in Atlanta, right? Booty cheeks, gets fired. They have one or two good years. Then he gets fired, pops up in Dallas. All of a sudden, Dallas's defense is good again, right? Why is that? It's because the league is cyclical. You know, it's why it's very rare that a defense is good two or three years in a row because the offense catches on and they have to adjust. And there's a little bit of a, you know, look at Joe Barry's first year as the D.C. Everybody was thrilled with it. They they couldn't understand why they hired him. They won't tell you this. They couldn't understand why Matt LaFleur hired him. He hadn't had success anywhere. The defense improved from Mike Pettin. Oh, it makes sense now. Everybody loved Joe Barry. They have a down year, right? Now it's fire Joe Barry. This year they're giving up less points than they did last year, and it's fire Joe Barry, right? So all you can do is try to plug the hole, right? And, and try to prevent as many points as possible. 
That's all you. That's the name of the game. That's what he was saying the other day, and it just it amazed me how many fans made fun of. Get this effing guy out of here. It's like he said the most important statistic is the score. That's right. And they, you would have thought that he was the biggest moron in the world for saying the 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 most important statistic is the score. I was just like, why are y'all mad at him for saying? All I care about is giving up the fewest amount of points as possible. Exactly. That's what a defensive coordinator's job is to do. Limit the the opposition from scoring points. Right. You know, and like I I you're right with the whole argument about like running yards or rush rushing yards. It's like I can't believe you would want to sit here after a loss and go, "Yeah, well, they held him to 51 yards on the ground." Right. Yeah, they after did a loss. Down. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we gave up five touchdowns, but, you know, <laughs> hey, at least we didn't give up 100 yards rushing. It's like I don't understand that logic at all. Mm-hmm. I, I will forever agree with Joe Barry in that sentiment of right. the most important stat is the one up there on the scoreboard when the clock hits zero. That's that's the most important stat. You know, it is right. fun to get into the ins and outs of how we get to a win, you know, or how we got there, what happened. But at the end of the day, all those other little stats, I mean, there's a stat for everything now, man. They track everything now. and not all of it's as relevant as we want to believe it is. I'm just going to be honest. Right. Um, you know, your record is what is what counts, man. That's what gets you into the playoffs. That's what gets you a chance at uh, running after a title. So, and right. as far as the Al Harris thing, you know, Al Harris said himself he's not an X's and O guy. He's he's he said that uh, I'm not really doing the X's and O's thing here. He's not calling and, a single play. He's no. He's coaching he's there to do that, right? Right. And Al Harris is teaching those young men how to play corner and, and, and you know, be a be a defensive back. You, t- you talk about reading receiver tendencies, knowing what what a receiver is going to do before he does it. Teaching things like that, making those those secondary players better. That's that's what he's bringing to the table. And right. um, you notice, boy, that that secondary in Dallas, they sure know how to tackle, don't they? And, and you got to think it's, you know, half technique and it's half having a a coach like Al Harris, you know, giving them the ins and outs of how to, you know, anticipate movement in a receiver to put yourself in a position to make a better play. Those are some of the more technical things we've been wanting from our defense, right? Why are guys missing tackles? Why are guys schemed up properly and not executing? You know, a position coach like Al Harris might tilt the balance in our favor. I understand the sentiment of wanting to bring him Mm -hmm. back to 1265. I'm 100% on board. But the idea that he's going to go uh, from from where he's at now to coordinating an entire defense, I don't think he's there yet. But that's not to say that he wouldn't be right. in the future, you know. And you know what it what it also does too. I think with some of those fans, it creates a little bit of uh, a little bit of cushion. Like when you bring in a new DC, it's okay. Well, we got to give him a year or two when he struggles, right? So it's like, okay, we don't have to see immediate success right now. But I'm just telling you right now, man, if he if 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 you're telling me you'll give up less rushing yards but more points, you can't convince me. That's that's the route I need to go. It's just not gonna happen. Uh, I, I am of the opinion of bend but don't break. I know it's not a popular one, but that's how you're giving up less points than you were last year. Um, because and, and here's the thing too, like Randy says it in the chat here. Randy Clever says uh, missed assignments is the current problem. That's what I'm seeing on tape. But, Randy, watch yourself, because when you mention that to the Joe Barry haters, they lose their mind. Uh, of course, they're not watching the tape. They're just simply going off of what did this podcaster say 
um, was a problem. Okay, we're playing too soft. Okay, soft in zone or man? Well, I don't know. Well, they were playing prevents. Like they they didn't play one snap of prevent defense. Well, I swear, every time a defender takes a step backwards, it's prevent defense to some people. I don't understand. And, you know, when we played, I played the Matt LaFleur. I try to keep my opinion removed as much as possible, and I'm failing absolutely miserably at it, okay? I wanted this show to be, hey, here's the topics. Here's what this guy said. Here's what this guy says. What do you guys think? But when I played the Matt LaFleur audio, the purpose was I'm going to leave my opinion out of it. I want to know what you guys think he's saying here. My opinion was he was saying, we got to get that fixed. You shouldn't be playing off the line that far in man coverage. Timeout. Matt LaFleur watching practice. You know, he's at practice, right? We know that. We all agree he's at practice. We also know he's watching tape of practice constantly, right? That's another big thing that many fans just overlook. If he is at practice watching practice and he sees the defense, do you think – he would make that comment if the defense was lining up like that in practice? The answer is no. His response, in my opinion, I could be wrong, was I have no idea why he's lining up like that, which makes me think all the way back to last year and early this year where Jair Alexander basically said, they're trying to convince me to line up closer to the line of scrimmage. I'm not comfortable with it, but they've been working on it. Talked about the new DB coach they brought in from Arizona, I think it was, Arizona or Houston, one of those two teams down there in the south uh, Southwest, to try to convince Jair to play closer to the line. So you've got players confirming it. You've had Matt LaFleur confirm it last year that we give our players freedom to line up where they want to line up. Now, immediately people go, well, they shouldn't be doing that. I completely agree, but that's on the head coach. That's not on Joe Barry. So when Matt made that comment, he said, that's something we got to get corrected. I think he was saying it as if these corners have got to know when we play man coverage, that's what blew me away was like, you've got to know in man coverage, there's no man coverage call where you say, Hey guys, let's just play 15 yards off the line. He was literally almost 15 yards off the line, Carrington Valentine. So it's one of two things, miscommunication from Carrington, not knowing what the defense was called. Immediately people go, well, he should know it guys. He's a seventh round rookie, you know, but we got us a third round pick for Russell Douglas. Right. Right. That could be a rookie seeing things that aren't there. Could Maybe be, he's backing up because he's thinking it's not play or something that's not happening. You right. know. It, so my point is, I think that's what Matt was saying was really, really simply, you know, we got to get that corrected. I, I don't think it was him going. I don't know why Joe Barry told him to play. They, so if it's not happening in practice, because Matt hasn't seen it in practice, it was new to him there in that situation, right? If it's not happening in practice, then in that situation right there, you're not going to convince me that Joe Barry made a play call that you haven't covered in practice. And on the headset, he says to the green daughter, Hey guys, listen, we're going cover one man spy right here. Cover one man spy. Hey, Dre, tell Carrington to play 15 yards off the line. That communication's not happening on the green dot. I'm sorry. Now, again, this goes back to the coaching aspect. If you're saying it's Joe Barry's fault that these guys don't know where to line up, where to be completely agree. Yeah. That falls on the DC too. But if you're giving them freedom to make that decision on their own, that's on you. That's on you. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Derek K says hire Bill. Derek, the only way I could ever see Bill Belichick being the DC here, because you understand he's he's going to get offers for a head coaching position. There's no doubt about it. Just the clout that comes with Bill with Bill, the fan base would get excited about having arguably the greatest coach in NFL history, you know, take over their fan base. 
you you cannot block him from taking a head coaching job, even if he's on your own staff, especially if he's on your own staff. So if they went to Bill and said, we want you to be our D.C., it would have to take Bill saying, hey, guys, I don't want to be a head coach. I don't want to be a general manager. I just want to be a defensive coordinator, and I want to go to Green Bay. Um, you know, so it's not as simple as, hey, let's go throw the book at Bill and hire him, right? It just it's, – it's not that simple. He's going to have other options, and if he has other options – um, he's going to take those being a head coach and a general manager over DC. I would imagine. I can't imagine Bill wants to take a step back and just be a DC. Although, Tim, if that was the case, bring it on. Bring it on. Bring Bill Belichick as DC. I just don't think there's. I mean, I think there's like a less than one percent chance that could that could be a possibility. Oh, yeah. I agree. I see. So. Um, all right, let's uh, get ready to wrap this thing up. Omer says, second secondary ninth in the league with nothing but UFAs and two seventh-round picks. Uh, first in the NFL, giving up at least amount of points off of turnovers, giving up 20 points a game. Best D we've had in over 10 years, no doubt. No doubt about it, man. Again, you're talking yards, but uh, uh, this one right here, this was the big narrative, Badger Trio. I'm not taking a shot at you. I'm just saying uh, many people agree with you saying this. We have eight first-rounders on defense. Why don't they start playing like it? On Sunday, there were only four of those first-rounders that seemed playing time, one of which was a rotational guy, two of which are actually rotational guys. So that is a false narrative that we've got eight first-rounders on the field. They haven't been on the field together all year long. Um, so you're a top-ten scoring defense without your all this first-round uh, capital that you've invested in the defense, if that makes sense. So uh, those four, when I tallied them up, because somebody said it, I'm like, and everybody always says that. Who's actually on the field this week? Darnell Savage graded out as the second worst safety in the entire National Football League last year. Okay. So he's one of those first rounders. Um, another one was uh Devontae Wyatt, who is a rotational guy. He's not something who's he's not Kenny Clark who's going to be on the field the large majority of the snaps. He's definitely going to be in on base. He's probably going to be your, your rusher on nickel, but they rotate him in and out quite a bit during the game. Lucas Van Ness, who you guys don't need me to tell you, he's a rotational guy. You know, your starters are Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, right? So that's three. Who was the other one? There's one more that is a first-round pick. Oh, Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary, obviously, an absolute stud. And Kenny. Kenny was the other one. That was right. So there was five, but only three were true on the field, not rotational guys. So you're not at full strength with those first-rounders that everybody tries to lean on and say Joe Barry's horrible because he's – not producing with those first round picks, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah. That being said, Tim, we're over, we're way over as always. Um, right on time, man. Hey, you mentioned Joe Barry in the chat, went. <laughs> so, uh, what do you got, man, as we get ready to wrap this thing up? Oh, man. Just uh, ready for ball this weekend. Um, slight chance I might go to the game. Hopefully, my wife's not watching right now. Um, but I am I am scrolling through looking at tickets right now. Nice. Um, hey, there's some available, isn't there? Because there, there sure are. There sure are. Gave some back, right? Yep. Absolutely. And um, you know, it'd be nice to to sneak out and uh, get over there for for a game. But um, no, man, just looking forward to um, redemption, man. Hopefully, this team comes home and uh, gets it done this weekend, keeps the the playoff hopes alive. Um, and uh, you know, look for somebody else to step up. We don't know who it's going to be. We won't know until we really see this final injury injury report. But I do have a feeling that, uh, you know, we, we saw it a little bit with Samari Toure, um, who had to come in and get some reps after not really playing. He was kind of bounced down that depth chart. And I thought Toure looked pretty good out there. 
Um, so maybe look for him to contribute if we're down uh, Tay Wicks. Um, so just a lot to look forward to uh, this for the, the game this weekend. And uh, just excited, man. Um, and looking forward to doing more shows, man. Happy to be here as always. Yeah, definitely. Nick McSwain in the chat said, uh, also just because their friend or their first rounders doesn't mean they'll give they'll live up to that. God, I can't read this morning. What percentage of first rounders end up busting? Exactly. It, it, it's almost as if if you spend a first round on someone, well, we know they're good. Why ain't you doing something with them? That's not the case, guys. I'm watching Ryan Leaf on Good Morning Football right now. You know why he hasn't thrown a football in a while? Just saying. One of the biggest busts in history. Could play yep. football around me in his sleep. Got you. I'm not saying I can do any better, but there are busts every single year to just say, we got eight first-rounders on defense doesn't mean they're good. Yeah. Um, and just because a guy gets undrafted or drafted in the seventh round doesn't mean he's not going to be good. Right. Seen right. that go the other way, too. Omer says eight first-rounders. Gary, Clark, Jair, and Quay, I'd say stars. Savage, Stokes, Wyatt, and OVN have not been proven yet. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Jair, the last two years, I mean, if you're going off PFF, it's being real, man. Ain't look good. How would you grade them this year? That's the question. How would you grade Kenny Clark this year? In the running game, bad. Great pass rusher. Gary, great pass rusher. Jair played one good game, been hurt, and played mediocre at best the other games. And then uh, Quay has had a down year, too. So, I, I agree. I think they are stars are going to be stars. But, uh, you know, like Rashawn Gary this last game, people blaming Joe Barry for the fact that the, the rush didn't hit home. I mean, one one last glimpse at it right here, Tim. PFF grade defense, right? And, again, I know PFF isn't everything, but, uh, uh, you know, you uh, <laughs> you line it up with the tape. Show me the tape where, where Sean Gary dominated on Sunday in his one-on-one situations. He didn't. 58.6. Not the dog Gary, just saying that's one of those first-round talents, right? Yep. You're not going to convince me it's Joe Barry's fault that he didn't win his one-on-one matchups. Hearing Brian Bulaga talk about it, he hit the nail on the head. Brian Bulaga on Wilde and Taos was just like, it just wasn't there. Usually Gary steps up in the last, you know, one of those last drives and makes a play and just didn't happen, didn't materialize, right? That's yep. the NFL, man. That is the NFL. Um, let's see, just a couple more chats and we're out of here. We'll rattle through them real quick. Bang, Badger Trio, first-round pick needs to be the O-line. Um, I, I would say yes to about four different positions right now, Badger Trio, if they're the best player available. So uh, I don't disagree with that. Uh, of course, we hit on that already. He said hire Bill, secondary ninth in the league. We got that. Just clean it up real quick. Here we go. Last one, Jay Swan, 071 in the chat says, thanks for the content, boys. Always love the positive attitude and details. Keep it up. We all appreciate it. Hey, we appreciate you swinging through, man, for sure. If you guys would, hit that like button so other Packer fans can find this content. And uh, also, I uh, just want to say thanks to all the new YouTube uh, members of the PTA Posse. If you click on our homepage, you want to become a YouTube member, just click join, and that'll uh, that'll get you in the door there. That way you can um, get yourself entered into contests for winning uh, awesome auto- autograph memorabilia. Again, um, Stinson was the winner this week. I think that was the one that we drew, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah, Stinson was the winner. So, Stinson, when you see this, man, shoot me an email. Still haven't heard from you, but you won the autographed um, uh, Robert Brooks jersey. Uh, the second-place winner was No Limit underscore Coop. Uh, make sure you reach out in case Stinson doesn't claim the prize. And then Will, just W-I-L-L, was the third-place winner. Make sure you reach out uh, via email in case those top two 
don't claim the prize. We want to get that mailed out to you as soon as possible. So with that being said, guys, we're out of here. Really appreciate y'all hanging out with us. This has been Good Morning Lambo. We'll be back tonight for PTA Live at 7 Central, 8 Eastern to give you all the up-to-date information, a new injury report, kind of see how things are trending there. Hopefully Jaden Reed keeps trending in the right direction because that wide receiver room is going to be real thin this week as we have Tampa Bay coming to town. So like Tim said, many tickets still available there for that game too. Uh, Tampa Bay gave some of their allotted tickets back. So there's going to be a few more available. You could probably get you a deal on tickets to that game. So we're out of here, guys. Appreciate you. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go. <laughs>